Today's reading is taken from James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone, then, knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Very well. Thank you, Cherry. Uh, how many of you are planners? Uh, you love to have things all planned out. You love to have uh, daily plans, uh, weekly plans, yearly plans. In fact, uh, maybe the next five, the next 20 years, you have kind of all written down and, and mapped out. Uh, you're just built that way, right? Some of us are built differently. You're like, yeah, I don't, I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow, <laughs> let alone five years from now. Uh, that's fine as well. Uh, all of us, though, Despite our personalities, we, we do, in fact, make plans to some extent. And we love, don't we, when our, when our plans work out the way that we hoped. And we love when we can arrange things, when we can accomplish what we've set out to do. It, it's a great feeling. Uh, but wh what about when they don't? What about when a year like 2020 comes along, uh, that great uh, destroyer of plans. Uh, how do we react then? Uh, uh, there's a popular strand of memes uh, with the tagline, uh, me versus my plans for 2020. I wonder if you've seen uh, some of these. Here's one I came across recently. There it is. There's me, and there are my plans for 2020. I mean, right there we were. We're ready to enjoy everything we had planned for that year, uh, the year of COVID, and in an instant, felt like they were gone. Right? Nothing that we had planned worked out. Uh, but it's not just COVID. Uh, this is just life. We, we plan for things, and they don't work out. Uh, we often get rerouted in our lives. We get interrupted by life's roadblocks. Maybe you can look back on your own life, uh, and it's the same. You did your best to plan out your schooling, your career, your, your family, where you live, and yet here you are. Here, here you are in, in Hong Kong in 2024. I mean, how often do you meet someone who's like, yeah, I plan to be here for two years, and, and 10 years later, I'm still here. I'm still in Hong Kong. Oh, this is the way it goes. We don't know what tomorrow will bring our, our passage in James, of course, is all about planning. And what we'll see is that there's a godly way to think about our plans. And there's also a prideful, sinful way as well. As Christians, we know there is a God who knows what we don't know, who, who sees what we don't see, that he finally controls the outcome of our lives and our plans. But how should that reality affect us? Uh, does that reality affect us? 
If you remember so far in the book of James, we've uh, been seeing James address these first century Christians who were living very unchristian lives. They've adopted the world's wisdom in, in many areas instead of the Lord's. It's affected the way they live, the way they act, the way they treat one another. Last week, we saw James address the way they were fighting and quarreling. Uh, he called them to instead humble themselves before God, to, to trust him with their desires. And today, we'll see a similar call to humility. Uh, humility in the way they planned for their future. So maybe a, a main point would be a true living faith must avoid prideful planning and instead acknowledge God's providence. That's what we'll see in James. That's what he's going to help us do. Avoid prideful planning. Humbly acknowledge God's providence. So first, true faith avoids prideful planning. Look at verse 13 with me. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, uh, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. You can imagine the sort of person James has in mind, uh, perhaps a a businessman or or a merchant, uh, someone who's trying to make a living from place to place. They're traveling around to trade, uh, maybe to market their goods, uh, to do business between different markets. And that's the goal of their plans, right? Uh, To carry on business, to make money. And of course, uh, this kind of planning isn't strange to us in our day. Uh, In fact, uh, moving overseas to go and do business, to, uh, uh, to grow financially is more common than ever before. Many of you sitting here today are in Hong Kong for this very reason. So what is wrong with these people and their plans. We know from reading the passage, James is condemning the way they're planning, but but what's wrong with it? Well, before James tells us the reason, let's be clear what isn't wrong with their planning. What isn't wrong is the planning itself. So James is not saying that making plans in general is a sinful thing to do, as if we should never make plans about where we'll go and what we'll do. No, friends, it's good, it's right to be wise about the things that God's given us, to use our time and our resources well. God expects us to steward these things. Some of you will graduate secondary school or uh, university this uh, semester. You should think wisely about where you'll go and what you'll do. So then what is he condemning? Well, he's condemning not their plans, but the attitude they're assuming as they make their plans. Uh, You can look down at verse 16. This is where James kind of gives his pronouncement of what's happening here. He says, as it is, you boast. You boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. The plans aren't the issue, it's their arrogance that James is concerned about, the pride that they're displaying in their planning. To help us understand this a bit, uh, I I want us to see three characteristics of this prideful planning in these verses. Three characteristics. The, The first one is this. Prideful planning is planning that neglects God. It's planning that neglects God. 
uh, let's ask this. What factors into their plans in verse 13? Uh, The timing, when they'll go. Uh, the destination, what city they're going to, uh, the business that they're doing, and their financial goals, right? Uh, they want to make money. But of course, what's missing? Oh, what's missing is any recognition of the Lord's existence in their lives or the Lord's goals uh, that he might have for them. Uh, James says, Christians, if you believe God exists, If you believe there is more to this world than what you can see and touch and gain, well, that means you should live and work and plan differently because of who God is and what he's made you for. Uh, This sort of person is a person who professes faith in Christ but lives as if either God doesn't care about the minor details of their uh, existence or he does care but he's really helpless to do anything about it. As one author commented, uh, they're essentially planning like atheists. This is all life is, uh, so let me just do my thing and, and get on with it. And since they aren't concerned about God's existence, they're also not concerned about God's kingdom. Uh, there's no mention, uh, for example, of trying to uh, let their light shine before others in the city and, and do good works so that God will be glorified. There's no, no thought of, about there's, if there's a healthy gospel-preaching church in the city they're going to or, or what Christians they can partner with to, to share the gospel. Oh, instead, they're solely focused on what they can do, on what business they accomplish, on what financial gains they attain, uh, what connections they can make. So let me just ask you this. Uh, do you acknowledge God in the way that you make plans. If you opened up your uh, Google Calendar on your phone, or or maybe you you plan with a hard copy, if anyone still does that these days, uh, would there be a difference in the way your plans look and the plans of maybe your non-Christian colleague? The way you plan out your children's schedules, how you think about where you'll live, uh, when and if you'll you'll move and, and where you'll go. Is there a time in your calendars for what Jesus calls you to be about? Are you busying yourself solely with worldly endeavors? Are they crowding out any sense that you're God's? So that's number one. Uh, Number two, prideful planning is planning that presumes control. It presumes control. So it's not just that they weren't thinking about God or spiritual things. Like, like if they were moving to do ministry, no, the problem would be fixed. Well, no, the greater issue is a sense of self-reliance and self-sufficiency. I mean, look at all that they wrongly presume in verse 13. Uh, they presume control over when they will do things, today or tomorrow. Over their movements, we will go. Uh, their destinations, uh, into this place or that. The duration of their work, we'll, we'll spend a year there. What they will do, they'll carry on business. They even presume control of how successful they'll be. will make money. This entire way of talking, James says, is boastful, arrogant presumption. James is going to burst uh, their bubble in verse 14. He says, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. 
You have no right, he says, to be so concerned, uh, so certain about these things. You act like you know what tomorrow will bring, that you control it, but you don't even know what will happen the next minute, let alone the next hour or day. Now, these first century Christians were ignoring God's uh, complete control. They lived in disregard or, or indifference to the truth of God's providence. That is, the fact that he guides and personally manages all things. It struck me this morning of uh, how much this thinking mirrors kind of our secular culture today. Uh, Tony Robbins is a, is a famous self-help author, New York Times bestseller. Uh, one of his popular articles is titled, How to Control Your Destiny, uh, Eight Powerful Steps to Become Unstoppable. This kind of thinking uh, is everywhere. And I think the reason is because it's really appealing. Uh, You want to get ahead? Do you want to climb the ladder at your business? Do you want to get unstuck in the way, in the the hand that life has dealt you? Well, it's in your power to do it. Uh, Don't let anyone stop you. Don't let anyone take control of your life. You are in control. Friends, we can so easily... Let the world uh, press us into its mold and subtly and slowly assume that, that we control the duration and the direction of our lives. Now James says, make no mistake to believe and act as if we are the masters of our fate is arrogance. Verse, verse 16, he says it is evil. Uh, just think about the danger that follows this kind of illusion of control. What happens, for example, when we don't get the job promotion or we, we're struck with a disease, maybe? Well, of course, we're tempted to respond in anger and bitterness and frustration. We expect things to go a certain way, and when they don't, uh, we lash out. We're unwilling to have our ambitions and our goals adjusted. There's nothing like disrupted plans to expose the pride in us. Those were my plans. When was the last time your plans were interrupted, either in a small or uh, big way? How did your heart respond to that? Are you angry with God maybe even this morning for a, a providence that took you to an unplanned place? That's number two. Number three, finally, is uh, prideful planning is planning that ignores mortality. It ignores our mortality. Verse 14 says, Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. James says the reality of this life is, is like a mist. It's like a breath that appears uh, in the cold air and then it's gone. Uh, it's, it's to say that it's short, uh, it, it's fragile, it's fleeting. There's nothing you can do to take a hold of that breath as it comes out of your mouth, nothing you can do to make it last any longer. The, their pride had blinded them from the reality of, of what kind of thing life is. It's like, uh, okay, you could plan to move to this city for a better job, and on the way you could get into a crash and die. Psalm 39 puts it this way. O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. 
Behold, you have made my days a few breaths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Friends, it's good to be reminded of this proper perspective of life, God's perspective of life. It's so easy to lose sight of the fact that every breath, every heartbeat, even this morning, is a gift from God. That all life rests in his hands. And that from his perspective, the perspective of human history, your 70, 80, 90 years on this earth is but a vapor. Here and then gone. Instead, they imagine that life will just keep on spinning, that they can manufacture the length of their days. Uh, These three characteristics of prideful planning uh, echo a a famous parable that Jesus tells in Luke uh, 12. You might remember this parable. In Luke 12, uh, Jesus says, it says, And Jesus, he told them a parable, saying this, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, uh, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Uh, what, what's wrong with this man in the parable? Well, it's what James has been showing us this morning, this attitude that fails to recognize or acknowledge God and his kingdom. He's boosting his own retirement funds so he can sit back and just enjoy life. He, he failed to acknowledge the brevity of life as well. He, he should have spent his time building up treasure that would last, treasure in heaven. And instead, he lost. He lost it all. And so, friends, this should sober us. It should cause us some serious reflection in our hearts. Uh, our, our sin in this area should grieve us because it grieves God. This is what James refers to in, in verse 17. Uh, acknowledge that God is the good that we ought to do, uh, acknowledging him. And the sin uh, we commit by not doing it. Uh, he's basically saying uh, we can't excuse ourselves. Well, well, I don't, I don't do this. I don't do that. Uh, we're also called positively to do what God calls us to do, to trust him with our plans. So James, again, is, is so good at exposing the dangers of sin in all its forms. But as always, as we've seen, his purpose is not to shame us into despair, uh, not to cripple us, but to, for us to come back to God who loves us and holds us in his hand. And so then, how? How are we to think about our plans in a godly way? Well, point two, we acknowledge God's providence. Look at verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. James says, okay, stop talking like this, uh, the way you're talking. And instead, you ought to say, you ought to talk like this. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. 
Uh, what is James getting at here? Well, he's saying, who determines the fate of your plans or where you'll go, what you'll do? Uh, doesn't God do that? In fact, the very question of whether you live is not up to you. If he wills, you will live. If he doesn't will, you won't live. Uh, life is totally and completely in God's hands. He determines how it will play out. We may make a profit. We may trade. We may spend a year here or there or not. What will decide that? God and his will. Our doings are in his hands. Our success, our work, our careers, our relationships, our sorrows, and our joys. It's like Proverbs 16.9 says, uh, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And James here is pointing uh, them at God's providence. Uh, providence is God's sovereign oversight or his governance of all things in creation. And we see this all over scripture. Uh, passages like this one in Isaiah, Isaiah 46 This is God speaking. He says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey, from a far off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. Or we could think of Ephesians uh, chapter 1 and verse 11. He says, In him, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who, are, uh, who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. Or maybe we could think of a, a historic example So this is the Heidelberg Catechism of 1563. Uh, Listen to how beautifully they sum up God's providence. It says this, The almighty, everywhere present power of God, whereby, as it were, by his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth with all creatures, and so governs them that herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, meat and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty. Indeed, all things come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. Isn't that so beautiful? Your life, uh, my life, uh, the universe, every detail in between from his fatherly hand. James says, this fact of God's providence, well, it ought to be making a difference in the way you think about uh, making plans and planning your future. How? How should it make a difference? Well, first, it should humble us. It should humble us. If the keys to our future are not in our hands, but in the hands of the all-powerful creator of the universe, uh, then how can we persist in our pride? As we come to grips with this reality, it, it brings us low. He's God. I'm not. He knows the future. He controls the future, and I do not. I mean, just just think back to the COVID years for a moment. We we rightly grieve the sickness, the death, the loss, uh, the brokenness that we see in the world. Uh, But could it be that one thing God intended for COVID to bring was to remind us of the truths here in James 4? to destroy the illusion that we're in control, to humble us before him so that we draw near 
to him in faith? Friends, humble yourself to the Lord. Acknowledge his rule and reign as you think about your future. Submit your plans to him, to his kingdom, to his purposes. Hold loosely uh, to your life. Now, uh, should we actually say the phrase, if the Lord wills, whenever we talk about the future? Well, no, I don't think he's telling us to adopt some kind of empty ritual whereby we kind of, every time we make a plan, we must say this. Hey, let's go to lunch next week. Yeah, I'll be there if the Lord wills, if I don't die first. Uh, Not necessary to say that. However, rather as James so often does, he's aiming at a heart posture. He wants us to submit our plans humbly to him, knowing that they rest in him alone. As one author Uh, remarked, we should make plans with open hands. I think that sums it up really well. How can we grow in cultivating a posture of humility uh, before the Lord? Well, maybe just a few thoughts. Whenever you sit down to make plans, whether uh, plans uh, that are near or plans that are uh, distant, uh, pray first. Present your plans to God. Uh, Ask him to help you be wise to keep his goals and priorities in mind as you plan that you may serve him and not just your own kingdom. For us as a local church, this is why it's vitally important we pray as a church. It's why our monthly church prayer meeting and our members meetings are are such a key part of our life together. We want to avoid prideful uh, assumptions that we control what we do or we do things by our own power. Instead, we pray together. We acknowledge the Lord. We entrust our church's plans to him in in everything we do, which pastors and staff we hire, uh, our financial planning, the direction of ministries, and so on. I'd also encourage you to invite other church members into your planning. Uh, Find someone you trust, maybe someone who's older than you with more experience, uh, maybe a pastor or an elder. Ask them, Uh, Hey, I've been trying to think wisely about this plan. Can you help me think in a godly way? Can you look over this to make sure uh, I'm thinking wisely? Anything I'm missing here? Uh, Humbling yourself to ask for someone's opinion, it goes a long way in killing our pride. And then maybe in some occasions, verbally saying, Lord willing, may actually be really useful. The Apostle Paul frequently does, does this in his letters, Uh, In 1 Corinthians, for instance, he says, uh, I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. Uh, We could say, for instance, uh, Andy Patterson is coming to be our senior pastor in the next couple of weeks, and he plans to serve for two years if the Lord wills. Uh, Those words aren't kind of magic, uh, but you see how saying this, holding this posture, just helps you hold a looser grip on those things as you recognize that the Lord may have different plans. So acknowledging God's providence should humble us. But there's something more here. There's something deeper. See, James doesn't intend for us to simply submit to the Lord's will in a cold way. As if, well, we just accept our fate. Okay, fine, he's in control. I'm not. No, God's providence doesn't only remind us that he's in control, but that he's good. All his plans and purposes are good. There's nothing unpleasant, evil, or dark in him. Psalm 119 teaches that God's goodness extends from his nature to everything he does. 
all his works are good. How can we trust this? Uh, Where is the proof that God works for good? Friends, we look to the gospel. Gospel means uh, good news. In his goodness, God sent his son Jesus to the world where he lived a life in humble acceptance and dependence on God for his future. He perfectly submitted to God's will, even to the point of death. He prayed, uh, not my will, but yours be done. And then he was nailed to a cross, becoming the perfect and blameless sacrifice, uh, taking the punishment for sin in our place so that we could be forgiven so that we could be adopted by God as his very cherished children. Are you convicted this morning of ways you've been prideful in your planning, of ways you've neglected God? Friends, God is good. His mercy in Christ is more than our many sins. This is good news. And for those of us who are in Christ, we now know him not as a cruel master, but a loving father one who has our good in mind in all he plans. And so now in light of Jesus, God's providence should bring joyful confidence. Romans 8, 28 is a great summary of God's work in this way. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God works his will for the good, our good. Everything in this life he weaves together, good and bad. We can say, Lord, here are my plans. I trust you with them. Guide me, uh, lead me where you will, whatever your will is. I wonder uh, if you've ever thought about why God hides the future from us. Uh, why, didn't, why doesn't he just tell us uh, what we'll do when we'll live, when we'll die? Well, friends, it's because he wants a relationship with us. He wants us to trust him. Every step before you, Christian, uh, is paved in love. God says, I will walk with you in the joys and the sorrows and the green grass and in the valleys. And so instead of having to grasp and clutch at our future, uh, trying so desperately to control it, we're free. We're free to invite God's detours in our lives. And often when we look back at those interrupted plans, we see exactly how God actually worked them for good. If you remember uh, Matt Tyler, he was the speaker at our church retreat this past fall. Uh, I wonder if you remember the testimony he gave uh, at that retreat. Uh, He and his family were living in Shanghai. Uh, He was about to step into a senior pastor role at a church there. Uh, While they were traveling back to the U.S. to raise support, uh, COVID hit. And just like that, they weren't allowed back into China. In fact, they never went back. And so after long months of waiting and struggling in the U.S. with what they should do, uh, they humbly acknowledged, uh, the Lord seems to be rerouting us. Uh, Through some missionaries he met there in the U.S., he saw an opportunity uh, to plant a church in Bangkok, where he's now the pastor of a a healthy gospel-preaching church. But I remember at the end of his testimony, he said this. He said, my ability to see this one instance of God working bad for good helps me now trust for the times I can't see. Friends, have you seen God work good in your life? 
I wonder if the next time your plans get interrupted, you can receive it not as a lack of God's care, but as an opportunity for growth. A gift that invites you to trust God in new and and deeper ways. Uh, What might that do for your relationship with him if you could do that? And then if you're not a Christian here this morning, we're really glad you're here. Uh, I just want to ask you this. I wonder if you're tired. I wonder if you're really honest. Uh, It's easy to get worn down by the pressure of trying to secure uh, your own future. A secure a future that, if you're honest, uh, seems to slip from your control. How do you deal with that? Friends, there is another way. If you come to Jesus, if you acknowledge your need of him, if you lay down control of your life and hand it to him, uh, the one who knows you, the one who died for you, uh, he will hold you. You can know today of a, a joyful confidence and a peace with him. I would love to talk to you more about that if you have questions. And so then, we've seen that true, living, growing faith avoids prideful planning and instead acknowledges God's providence. None of us finally control the circumstances, the outcomes of our lives. God does, and, and so we can humbly trust him with, with open hands. I love how the hymn we sang earlier uh, captures this expression of humble trust. Whatever my God ordains is right. It says, Whatever my God ordains is right. His holy will abideth. I will be still whatever he does and follow where he guideth. He is my God, though dark my road. He holds me that I shall not fall. And so to him I leave it all. Friends, we don't know God's mysterious will for our lives. We don't know where he'll lead us, what will happen, which plans will come to pass. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, but we do know our God is good. And so to him, we leave it all. And if we are in Jesus, we know uh, one day coming for certain. We know a day when Jesus will return to make all things new. And we will look back and rejoice and say his plans were best. He knew. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for this humbling word you've given us this morning. Lord, would you give us ears to hear it and hearts to receive and apply as we go about uh, planning our lives and thinking about our futures. We pray, Lord, by your spirit, you'd really help us trust your sovereign will for our lives, for the sake of your kingdom and your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.